Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Oh, welcome back to Big Brave Business. Sarah, how are you today? (laughs) I'm good. I'm so excited for this episode, Amanda, because we have been like teasing it for a while, knowing that it's coming, that we have to revisit our 2023 predictions. And I'm so excited that we're doing this. And it's just surreal to think that we've been podcasting for a year. Girl, it has been, we've almost hit 60 episodes, if I'm not mistaken, which is- actually insane that we've had that much to talk about. <laughs> I feel like we will never run out of things to talk about, but I'm excited to see what is to come for a new year of Big Brave Business. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're not in our predictions for 2024 yet. Let's look back. Let's look back at 2023, Amanda. Overall, like, did 2023 go how you expected it to go? Like before we even get into our predictions, can we just start with like, do you feel like you had the year you thought you were going to have? Yes, I definitely did. I worked for it. So it's not a surprise to me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you know those, you know, those moments where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that this happened to me or, oh my gosh, I can't believe this like amazing thing just fell into my lap. This is one of those things where I'm like, nope, it's pretty much exactly what I expected because I worked my ass off this year. And if it hadn't happened, I'd be sitting here talking about how disappointed I was that nothing came through like I wanted it to. So everything, yeah, everything really did. And I know we're doing another episode to talk a little bit about a recap of of our 2023, but I'm very proud of what I did this year. How about you? Yeah, I actually agree. I feel like, I mean, there's always more I could do. And that is like a fundamental... That's my beige flag there that I always I'm always thinking about what more I could 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 have done. Um, but I, I feel like what I set out to do, I did. And I'm also very proud of my year. And I am really happy with my life, which like is a good feeling. And I say that with so much love and compassion and kindness and gentleness for anyone who did not have a 2023 that they feel like went the way that they thought it was going to go or should have gone or was supposed to go. I've had, believe me, I've had years like that myself too. We all have. Everyone does. And life is a crazy, crazy path. And if that's you, like our heart is with you and our hearts, we have two hearts. (laughs) Our hearts are with you and uh, you're not doing this alone. And if you need an excuse to feel like you've turned a page. Well, 2024 is a perfect time to do that. So we'll call it a page turned. And um, yeah, well, with that being said, you want to dig into our 2023 predictions. This is an episode that aired back in February. So we'll link to to it in the show notes if you want to go back and revisit it. But you don't necessarily have to because we're going to tell you what's in it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to dive in and see if we were right or if we were wrong. So let's recap together. What was your very first prediction for 2023? 
Yeah. My first prediction was about podcast advertising, and I didn't look up any stats or numbers. Uh, At the time we're recording this, the year is not quite over. So um, I don't have like current numbers, but I know for sure that that was true. That podcast advertising is significantly up. It is definitely like a pretty dominating one of the core ways to advertise on the internet these days is through podcast advertising with the rise of celebrity podcasts so exponentially this year. Um, podcast advertising is just huge. One of the things I talked about in the episode in February, which I still stand by, is that a lot of us that are not like big corporations, you know, like we hear people like Macy's advertise on podcast on celebrity podcasts, right? But For those of us who are just basic creators, we have an advertising budget, a marketing budget. We spend money on ads. I don't I don't know personally what I don't think you spend any money on ads, Amanda, but I'm sure your clients. do. I don't. (laughs) But um, (laughs) we as just basic creators, we as uh, individual small businesses, we have advertising budgets to spend on things like social media. And yet we don't really spend on podcast advertising. And I think that's a missed opportunity. So I said that in the 2023 predictions episode, I stand by that. I feel like that's not something that individual like creators or small businesses are utilizing enough of because the conversion numbers are so much better in podcasting than they are on social media. And yet we'll spend money on social media ads. So that's I still stand by all of that. Absolutely. You know, I work with a digital product creator and she does a lot of advertising on social media. And she did a whole series on her her, um, Instagram and on her TikTok about if you are spending money on advertising this year and you're still disappointed about how slow it is, like you don't feel like you're getting the traction that you want. It's because you're not you don't have a million dollar budget. And right now there's only so much ad space on social media and these companies like Macy's or like any big company or corporation, they're spending millions of dollars to your tens Mm. of dollars. So don't get discouraged, you know, but also really think about and take a look at where you're spending your money and what's the ROI on it. Because to your point, podcasting does seem like it is a, you know, there's so many avenues and places to advertise with. Maybe people should really in 2024 really think about instead of giving all your money to social media, give it to podcast. And then we're supporting other individual creators, right? You're like essentially collaborating with other other small businesses, other entrepreneurs, other voices that, you know, you think matter. You're helping lift them up and make their podcast possible. And then you're getting access to their audience. And I just think it's like a really collaborative opportunity. So yeah, I I mentioned that in the episode almost a year ago. And I still I still stand by that. That is still true. But yeah, podcast advertising definitely on the rise. Of course, for those of us, again, to your point, who don't have million dollar ad budgets, advertising on a celebrity podcast is just not feasible, but we can advertise on each other's podcasts. So that's right. And I love it. It's like just working in community with other people very similar to you and in, you know, entrepreneurial spaces. I think it's great. 
Well, the very first thing that I said out of the gate that got me so much shit last year, Sarah's laughing right now, and I'm going to bring it up again, was that I thought LinkedIn was on the rise. And guess what? Spoiler alert. I still think that. Okay. (laughs) I have a lot of friends and a lot of clients who have moved over to LinkedIn predominantly, and they have seen return. They've seen the engagement. It's so much higher than a lot of other platforms for them. I'm not saying it's replacing, by the way. In 2020, y'all are making me feel defensive and you're not even yelling at me. But I feel like last year, everybody took it as I was saying that it was going to take over Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and all the places. I didn't say that. I did say, and I do stand by the fact that it is, it's got a lot of holding power. And I think that people are using it in some very interesting ways that they hadn't in the past. I still stand by that. Yeah. Um, I have clients who write novels on their LinkedIn pages and people absolutely eat them up like they love it. So I said it, LinkedIn is still on the rise. I still think it's got staying power. I don't think it's near as what people thought it was five years ago, even three years ago. I really think it's changed a lot. I'm still putting my money that LinkedIn will still grow in 2024, but yes, it did in 2023. What was your second one? Well, first, I want to touch on that LinkedIn thing because my experience on LinkedIn has been really positive. I haven't had as dedicated of a strategy as I wish I did, but you're spot on about the engagement being so much higher. For me, that's definitely been my experience. I post on Instagram to crickets most of the time, and I post on LinkedIn and I get messages and comments and shares and all kinds of things like that. Also, it's very writing driven to your point, which I love because Instagram is very aesthetic. It's very visual. And on LinkedIn, you don't have to have any of that. You can literally just write. And so that has been really refreshing to me. And I really appreciate that. It's definitely going to be part of my 2024 strategy. So, um, So yeah, I stand by that too. Okay, my second one was private podcasting, and I was a little anti-private podcasting in our our episode pr- with our 2023 predictions. I said I it's on the rise. I expected that trend would continue, but I didn't really seem to like it very much, which is really funny <laughs> because I have a private podcast for my clients now. And oh, the tangled webs we weave. Yes, <laughs> and definitely. We saw a huge increase in private podcasts. And so if you're not familiar basically what that is, most of our pod, most podcasts, we think of podcasts, they're public, they're free. You can get them on any podcast streaming app. A private podcast, you either have to have a special link to access or you actually pay to get access to a premium feed. And there's a lot of value in this, especially in this age of increased celebrity podcasts where it's getting harder and harder to compete just based on organic traffic because the organic traffic is going to these big name podcasters. So now in order for us as individual creators, indie creators to independent creators, however you want to think of it, to build our own audiences, it has to be about cultivating community just like on social media, right? So cultivating community can definitely look like a private podcast. So that definitely ended up being true and I'm a lot less against it than I seemed to be. A year ago. (laughs) What's your second one? So um, I'm glad to hear you came around, Sarah. I (laughs) I remember last year when you talked to me about private podcasting, 
it wasn't something that I thought was going to personally take off, to be honest. But I do think, and this is something else that I'm going to throw into my 2024 project prediction. So I'll just lay it out here. I really think the rise of memberships is going to be a big thing for 2024. I think that's going to play hand in hand with more private podcasts. So we'll go over that later. But my second prediction that I had was that people were going to start sending and leaning into more physical products instead of digital resources. I still feel this way. And I've just recently saw it really firsthand. One of the clients that I love working with is Pet Boss Nation and Candace Agnolo. She is a coach for pet business owners. So if you have a pet store um, or a grooming salon or a dog walking business, etc., you should look into Pet Boss Nation. But she just released 2024 physical planners and she also made it an offer for people to buy the digital version of it. Nine times out of 10, everybody signed up to purchase the actual physical planner and not the digital um, version, even though it was significantly more in cost. To me, that tells me people want to hold things in their hands. They don't want to just buy a bunch of digital resources. I do still see the benefit of having digital resources for for instant download. I'm not saying that. But I do think that's very much so going to be more more uncommon that people are going to be quicker to purchase if they can hold a physical product just because I think the marketplace is continually getting so congested with the amount of people making digital resources. I mean, there is just so much out there. Everybody seems to be having and creating their own digital projects and products. So I think the rise of physical products will continue to increase. And I'm excited about that. I really love, I love physical products more so than a digital resource just because I stare at a computer all day long. So hopefully that continues to be a thing. What do you think? One thing related to that that I think is really interesting of kind of getting out of the digital space is that I feel like this year there was a lot more in-person stuff. And we touched on this in that episode that we saw a rise in not just the physical tangible products that you can hold in your hands, but also the in-person gatherings. I think um, there were so many events, conferences, etc. this year. New stuff, um, things that finally came back at full force like pre-COVID times. Um, I feel like there were a lot, lot, there was a lot of emphasis on in-person events this year and I feel like that's really related. People are really craving that offline connection (laughs) with people and products. I think it also really affects too like perceived value because so many people are selling digital resources now. I feel like um, it's almost like it doesn't have as much worth in the marketplace. People aren't, even if it's cheaper, I feel like um, people are still asking, you know, for money. I still think it's just, I think even though it's cheaper, people want to feel like they're owning something. And if it's something that anybody can own in an instant, that instant gratification, I just don't think it's there as much. I think there's a whole lot of psyche that goes behind that. What was your, uh, what was your third thing? My third one was about calling out toxicity and challenging the status quo. And I think that's been interesting because on one hand, yes, definitely. We do that a lot. I feel like there's a lot This was the year. Here's where I feel like I was right. This was the year of the hot take. People started really building a lot of traction online and getting a lot of engagement when they would take a hot take. And I 
do this also. I have talked a lot this year on social media about ethical pricing, which by the way, we should totally do an episode about. We haven't really done that. But anyway, I have talked a lot about ethical pricing. I've talked about some business ethics stuff in general, definitely having like <laughs> big, brave conversations about the, that kind of stuff on my on across all platforms. And um, so I definitely have been doing it too. But what's really funny is that this trend has turned into people posing that they're taking hot takes, but saying things that aren't hot takes at all. Like... I'm going to jump on this hot take bandwagon and say, like, this is the year of healing. Like, no, we all agree. Right. Or a hot take that women should make more money. Like, okay, that's not a hot take. Right. But there's this um, kind of trend of the hot take. And I think and and also the trend of the unpopular opinion, people wanting to come up with what am I going to like stand on that's an unpopular opinion that I can post because it's going to get a lot of engagement. So I do feel like what started out as holding industries to a higher standard and calling out toxicity and trying to change the way that work looks, which is what I predicted that has that that would grow, that has been kind of perverted into this hot take trend, this hot take culture of like this unpopular opinion thing. Um, so I think that it has continued, but I also think it's kind of warped. It's been warped by now. And I also think it's shocking how many people at this point will defend on social media the things that we were speaking out against during COVID, like going back to in-person work as mandatory and like the working hours and how people get paid. And um, it's like, now people are really defensive of kind of like the system status quo, if that makes sense. So I think that's a little disappointing. I would like to see more people like demanding what they deserve <laughs> and that and challenging that just because things have always been a certain way doesn't mean that's the right way to do it. Right. So I'm going to keep on taking hot takes and unpopular opinion takes on social media, but in the spirit of having a conversation of how could we do this better and how could we do this more ethically and less because I'm trying to build some kind of platform off of it. Yeah. I think for me to really weigh in, it would have to be something super specific that we're talking about, but I will that like what you're referring to, but I will say that and this kind of goes to what I think one of my other things is going to be for 2024. And I hope that I, I've never been one of those people that's like, I need to get on social media to share a hot take. Like that's just not my personality or like my driving force is to like, let my voice be heard. If you want to know my opinion, I'll tell you, but I'm not motivated by it. It doesn't inspire me to like get online and just be like, Hey, hot take. This is how I feel about this. So even whenever everything kind of went to shit during COVID and there was a lot of opinions and things being shared about Black Lives Matter and there was horrible violence happening. That was when I really got off of Facebook because I was like, I just don't even want to know your opinion. I don't care. Like, I don't care at all. Like, I mean, I can see the news. I can see the horrible things that are happening. Me getting online and like yelling into the ether is not going to do anything at all. I have a more effective strategy, which would be to like affect the people that are in my immediate circle than I am trying to convince people that my point is right on like social media. So for me, 
it's less like I can't, I don't really care about people's hot takes. Like if it's fine, if that energizes not you specifically, but it's fine if it energizes other people to like get out there and share their opinion. I just don't know if it's constructive. Like I don't know what it does yeah, for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it, the goal is, I guess. And I'm I very goal motivated. <laughs> and like for me, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And so for me, if I'm going to share my opinion, I'm basically just hoping that I'm catching the eyes of people who also agree with me yeah. because the people that disagree with me, I'm not going to be in their algorithm. Like, yeah, so for the record, I'll say for the way that I approach this is probably different than maybe what's trendy because I think what you're saying is more like what's trendy where people, they just, it's like they want something spicy and sexy. For me, the reason, there's two reasons why I post this kind of content. One is to start an actual conversation because I think these conversations need to be had. That's like half the reason we even started this podcast, right? Is to have the conversations that more people should be having about what it's actually like to run a business. And then two, so I want to have like conversations about ethics and core values. Two, the other thing for me is that I, and and okay, let me piggyback. Sorry off of number one. I want to contribute to that conversation about how to run a business well and I have things to contribute. So that's the first one. The second thing is it is a little bit virtue signaling. So I have found that when I post quite a lot contributing to the conversation about how to run a business business ethically and like um, talking about what I think, you know, maybe some of the problems are or why it's a problem, I actually find that I get more traction from potential clients and my existing clients than when I don't say those things. So my existing clients will message me, that's why I'll only work with you. And prospective clients will message me and schedule sales calls. They'll be like, this is the kind of person I want to work with. Like that actually serves me to put out there like, the, this is how I do business. This is how I approach business. These are my core values because it actually magnetizes my ideal client to want to reach out because like they feel compelled to reach out. So um, it serves me in that way. So it's less about like kind of shouting my opinion, although I see a lot of people do that. And it's more contributing to the conversation and attracting people who think the same way so that we can do business together. Very cool. I love it. So what's mm -hmm. your third one? Sorry. <laughs> so my third one, and this will be a good one to wrap up with because it kind of piggybacks off of social media culture is I said that we're about to see the death of the influencer. And I totally still believe that I see it every single day. The people that are getting big brand deals are the people who are building a authentic community based upon authenticity and being real and being yourself and less about that picture perfect um, aesthetically pleasing platforms that used to be so popular where you go onto someone's feed and it's so clean it's so minimalist their house is perfect their dog is perfect their husband's perfect um, and now it's really about being authentic and I think we're really seeing that a lot and it's also people that not even from that standpoint but it's people that are creative they're not just getting on social media and showing a cup and they're like, you should buy this cup because I'm pretty and look how great it is. It's people getting on there with very unique personalities and very unique 
styles that are really capturing the um, capturing the energy and interest of people who are going to be making these big brand deals. And that is so exciting to me that we're finally acknowledging, I feel like, all the creatives in the world who are finally getting their due on social media comedians and people that would never ever ever get a you know a deal with coca-cola it's like it doesn't matter what you look like it matters what kind of content you're pumping out and i absolutely love this and studies are showing that it's going to continue that people aren't looking for that picture perfect you know white woman with her white house and her perfect 2.5 kids and her husband and her big diamond ring people really want to connect with people who look like them talk like them think like them and have an original point of view so i hope this encourages people that are listening who are like i want to be an influencer but I don't look like her or I don't look like him or if I only had a better house, people genuinely do not care what your house looks like. They do not care as long as it looks like it looks. Don't try to put up a front is what I'm trying to articulate. Be who you are. You will have an audience. And I think that's so exciting. I see college kids who are doing day in the life videos who are making millions of dollars a year with brand deals. And they're, they live in a shoebox of a dorm room and it's not aesthetically pleasing and it's just a typical day in the life and that is something so simple that we all could do and we all have unique point of views it's just posting I think it's a beautiful thing what do you think yeah I've definitely been reading in the last couple weeks in particular a lot of articles I've seen pop up about the death of the influencer. And I think obviously we still have personal brands, but I think, yeah, the what it means to be an influencer, to your point, has evolved tremendously in the past year. So I think that was spot on. And I personally feel like we nailed it. I feel like we had a really good grip on what 2023 was going to hold in our predictions. I am pretty proud of us. And I hope I'm curious to see how our 2024 predictions go. I'm excited. Well, tune in next week. Sarah, tell them all the things and we'll close out this episode. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about our 2024 predictions here in the next episode. Make sure that you follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app if you haven't already. And by the way, if you've enjoyed listening to us this year, if it's meant anything to you, if it's helped you at all, if it's made you feel less alone and you haven't left us a review, shameless ask. Would you please do us the favor of leaving a review? The star ratings mean a lot to us, but even more than that, those words help us see that there's actual humans on the other side of this and it's not just us talking to each other, although I never really get tired of that. So yeah, definitely send us um, a review, leave us a review. Also, we would love to connect with you on Instagram. I'm at Sarah K. Heater. She's at Amanda Nelson Reads. And you can find both of us at Big Brave Business. And check us out on YouTube as well at Big Brave Business. We'll see you next week. See you soon. Bye.